0: Not provoking No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK.
1: It is. Joining us now on Left, Right and Center, Robert Matz. Reverend Susan Eagle is running a little behind time today, but we hope Susan will be able to join us. And Bob, nice to have you here. Thank you, Jim. Uh, I announced earlier today that I wanted to talk about foreign aid today. I want to talk about Canadian foreign aid. In the light of the story from Swaziland, that the king of Swaziland, king whatever he is, the third king, something rather the third Maswani, I think it is, uh, has announced that he's purchasing a new Bombardier executive corporate jet for 51 million dollars. Uh, it sounds similar to the one the prime minister, the two the prime minister just bought, although we don't know that for sure. Um, this represents, we are told, about a quarter of the gross national product of his uh, of his tiny kingdom, uh, and it has been explained to the people who are quite literally starving, literally starving to death in his country. They've been told the king needs the plane to find food for them. Yeah. At the same time, Canada gave 1.62 million dollars to Swaziland last year in terms of uh, foreign aid, uh, all of which was directed through the government. So and we own part of that plane, do we? Uh, well, I don't know. Oh. We just <laughs> gave them the money. I'm not sure we got anything back for it. Uh, and Mr. kretchen as you know, has is putting forth or pushing for this multi-million dollar uh, capital infusion into uh, into Africa. This is his legacy is to uh, try to improve living conditions in Africa, and uh, Swaziland is, is one country where they're looking to uh, potentially double the, uh, the, uh, the amount of money that goes over. Um, I guess the, the bottom line is, uh, or, the, or the beginning, the place to start with this, Bob, is, mm-hmm. do you think we have any responsibility to help the people of Swaziland? Let's just talk about Swaziland. Do we as Canadians have any kind of responsibility to help these people who are quite literally starving to death?
2: not responsibility but we we can have a concern Um, you know whenever i see poverty in the world i know for a fact that it exists for one reason the governments that are in place Mm -hmm. in those environments there's no other reason And the crisis in poverty today is a crisis in the way people think about how we can fix things and you know, I have, to, I have to relegate what I'm saying now to a lot of the reading I've done over my lifetime. And I've been very influenced by, by writers like Ayn Rand, Isabel Patterson, and a host of writers. And, and you know, foreign aid as such is really a, a shield for, for, for power mongers, for people who use foreign aid as a means of, of investing their power. Power and philanthropy have always gone together. There's even a, there's even a book out called uh, Poverty is Where the Money Is. And that's, where, that's, that's the biggest part of government's business today is redistributing wealth supposedly from people who are richer and giving it to people who are supposedly poorer Mm -hmm. and what this does is destroy humanity. You don't do that because you're not taking from the people voluntarily, you're taking by force Mm -hmm. and you're giving to other people uh, not even to the people, it goes to their governments I mean continuously Um, we have online for example on, on, on Freedom Party's website many articles against foreign aid and guess who they're written by Black Africans,
1: mm-hmm.
2: people who come from the nations that we're talking about, who don't want to see us giving them money. Why because, not? What's wrong with it? Because they know the money's going to their oppressors, and they know that uh, that the money that gets there, whatever right. little trickles down for a TV appearance so that we can see, you know, five or six people being saved, the mm-hmm. vast majority of people aren't getting what they need. It was interesting. I had a, a black Gannon who just came from Ghana in Africa, walked into my mm-hmm. office the other day, and said he was quite politically active when he was still living in africa and he was active with the union movements over there and he was he sat down to tell me what he thought africa needed and, and i was getting ready i said oh boy this guy's in the union he's going to tell me about all the typical left-wing things mm-hmm. that people are going to tell me it's not what i got at all what well, he said that africa needed is structure they need to know that one per- when, when one person makes a deal with another person going to be held to it, mm-hmm. and that there's some agency in between, which we are used to being the government and the courts, to, mm-hmm. to enforce those contracts. Um, there's a writer, Hernando de Soto, from Peru, who wrote, wrote a book called The Mystery of Capital, who has who has... I mean, study down to, if, you, if you're into the nuts and bolts of it and the numbers of poverty, this is the book to get. Yeah. This guy's going around, he's, he's a consultant to uh, international leaders, he's been going to the Soviet Union, he's be, even going to the Arab countries. And what he's discovered is that all the poor people in the world are sitting on capital that is more than all the foreign aid we've given them in a hundred years. But they're not allowed to use it. They can't get a mortgage on the property that they're on because they don't have clear title to it. Somebody else has an interest in in, in it all the time. Um, he documented tons of this. He went to Cairo, for example, and he went to the official housing plans of the city. And um, they told him, well, yeah, we have two-story houses in this area, right? And they go all through this neighborhood in Cairo. So he took his team down there, and what were supposedly two-story houses on the official government plans were, in fact, five- and six-story houses. People had actually built on top of the two mm-hmm. stories, of their own property, but they don't have a clear legal title to it. They mm-hmm. can't do it. They, they haven't, uh, you know, gone by any formal regulations. But it's it's a mess. They just have no idea what's going on over there, and what they desperately need is is a is a specific right to their property to buy it, use it, sell it, and then poverty would be solved so, miraculously overnight.
1: So money, well, nothing happens miraculously. Well, it's not
2: a miracle, but it's it, but it seems a miracle because it's the invisible hand. You so
1: don't see so, so the money that we are. Are spending then, the money that we are sending, thinking we are doing some good... Is doing
2: immeasurable harm.
1: So how could we, I- can we refunnel that money, or should we just cut off the money for a we while? We
2: should be right? exporting not money, but capitalism, our know-how. How things work, how society works, how people work, how what, what is an incent- incentive versus a disincentive. I think the issue is not what we should do to solve poverty, but what we should stop doing. To create poverty.
1: Is there a, is there a <laughs> that's the problem? Is there a parallel here with what Kennedy tried to do with the Peace Corps, where he said that we're going to send people not to uh, people not. Oh shoot, I can't remember. Lost the phrase now. Uh, anyway, we're going to send people rather mm-hmm. than money was his idea. We'll send people and expertise. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, it, that's a it's a better principle. I, I always go by the uh, that biblical principle, you know, where where it said, give a man a fish and he can eat for a day. Give, teach a man to fish and he can eat for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how resistant many people are to that philosophy. No, they don't want to teach the man the fish, they want to give him one. Because behind that giving is a a sense of power, I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of altruism and philanthropy is all about, is a power thing. And I think that, for example, I think the West is hated worse for its philanthropy abroad than it is for anything we've done in any other realm.
1: This is left, right, and center. Bob Metz with us. Reverend Susan Eagle has been unable to join us thus far this morning. She's locked into a meeting with Border Control. She may or may not be with us later, but uh, we're going to go to the phones here where John is waiting. Hello, John.
3: Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Bob. Hi, John. Uh, I have a major problem, and I'm hoping I heard the wrong thing. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Um, You were saying that in order to solve solve a poverty problem, man, oh, man, my mouth is not working this morning, (laughs) uh, we need to go into countries and we need to teach them the correct way of doing things um... this is the reason why these countries hate the west because we go in there with this big attitude that we know what is best for you and we're going to treat you like little children and instead of going in there and training them to do things the way that they are, are used to doing them and making their way successful and helping them do things the way they've done them instead of us changing them and making them into something that they're not
2: well then you're asking us to just ignore the poverty there they're asking us to come over to give them this information by the way they are asking
3: us for help but i think we're going in there with the attitude that well you're doing this wrong and we're going in there and saying okay well this is this is how we this is how you should be doing it and i think what it's doing is it's creating an animosity between uh or a division between the west and the east
2: well how can anyone possibly make a living unless they have private property rights how is it possible give me another mystical way that you can possibly survive in a physical planet without having your right to own the things that you earn because you're saying we, should, we shouldn't attack those ways of living so okay
3: it's, it's, it's a very fine line that we have to walk and if they're asking for help
1: um, well, what's on? Let me ask you, John. What's on yeah. the what's on the sides of that fine line? Well, a fine line between what and what?
3: Well, the fine line becoming across as being a bully or being uh, uh, being somebody who's, uh, who's, who's who's wrapping somebody across the knuckles for, for doing something incorrectly, as opposed to showing them the different possible ways of doing things and letting them decide which way they want to do things. I, I don't you know, think our I, way necessarily is the right way all the time. and um, Well, we do a lot
2: of things wrong, too. There's no question. Well, um, there,
3: there is a lot of things you do wrong. There's a lot of things you do right. Um, I think that we have a major problem that we produce way too much food.
2: That's a problem, is it?
3: I think so. I, I would suggest to you that producing too, producing food. too little we food would be a problem. a society where people, all they do is eat. And I think that is a major problem. And there's people starving. Like starving. Like we've... Like we both acknowledge, there's people that are starving, and here we are, a country or two countries, that produce so much food that we've got people that are, you know, 12 and 13 years old that are, but you the know, two things are things have really nothing, overweight. The
2: two things have and, nothing to do with each other, John. The fact, that we produce a lot of food. It has nothing to do with why people abroad are starving.
3: No, no, they're not even correlated. connected. They, they don't correlate. There's no correlation between the two. But I, I think that we each have our
1: own problems. John, I appreciate your call, sir. Good to hear from you. And Erna's up next. Hi, Erna.
4: Hi, Jim. Hi there. Listen, why should we provide help for countries uh, when they have rotten leaders? I mean, why? Exactly. The leaders take everything, they live in palaces, mm-hmm. gold uh, uh, bathtubs, you know. For goodness sake. Well, Mr.
1: Kretchen believes that that we can make a difference if we just give them more money and and that we try to use moral persuasion with them to convince them to be better leaders than they are.
4: Listen, Jim, in in all uh, respect to Kretchen and yourself, I also don't believe in Mr. Martin. I don't believe in, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) Caesar and Brutus and all that stuff.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Erna, thank you for your call. Appreciate hearing from here you. Brutus. Yeah, it's close yeah. to the mark, isn't it? Yeah. And Ian's up. Hello, Ian. How are you doing, Jim? Good, thank you.
0: You remember a few weeks ago we were talking about the, uh, we used to hear this, the African mantra, uh, uh, African solutions to African problems. Yes. I used to say that for many years, so mm-hmm. they never solved them. No. And now they're asking for help. And what you were saying, too, is that uh, instead of them asking for money, how about asking for uh, a factory to be built.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the um, same as money. If it's yeah, being provided by taxpayers outside a nation, and once the factory is built, if there are no guarantees of property rights and contract rights in that country, that factory will be gone in five or ten years.
0: Yes, my my brother works in the Middle East, and uh, United, it's uh, UAE, United Emirates. Yes. Mm-hmm. What they do when a, a country needs help is that they send people over with the grain. They distribute it to the people who need it they show them what to do and how to how to make more grain etc mm-hmm. there's a there's a country in in africa that uh... They estimate it's called angola and they can feed all of africa very very easily because they have the most fertile land in the whole world mm-hmm. they import food yeah there's always some sort of a conflict going on yeah, so,
1: exactly right
0: but it's not they have the means to feed the people but just don't have the know-how that's all there is
1: to it thanks for the call today Ian. and we go from Ian to shannon hi shannon
5: Hi, Jim. First, before I make my comment, I just wanted to say thank you for your passion this week and everything that you've talked about from Monday's show, yesterday to today. It's just, you're just right on. Well, thank you. Okay, so that's my comment for that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Next thing, if you were prime minister, don't you think you'd want your legacy to be something that you did for your own country? Get all the hospitals in order, get all this education problems in order, get the hydro debacle in order, I think that would be a bigger legacy than, than helping countries that, you know, we don't see the results. Let's yeah. let's leave a legacy for something that we can actually physically see and tangibly see.
1: Can't I, argue with that.
2: Not only that, there's a second benefit to what you suggested, and that's once we take care of our own house, we as individuals are much more empowered to help people as we exactly. see fit. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Shanna, thank you. For,
4: thank, thank you for you. your
1: call. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bob Metz with us today on left, right, and center. Reverend Susan Eagle has sent her regrets. She's just tied up inextricably in this Board of Control meeting, which we understand is rather contentious this morning. Oh,
2: well, must be talking about cell phones.
1: Uh, <laughs> or talking on cell phones. Uh, so we apologize that Reverend Eagle is not with us, but we'll be happy to have her back again. We know she uh, was unavoidably detained today. Bob Metz with us, though. We're talking about foreign aid, and Mike joins us next. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Jim. Yes, sir
4: couple of things. First of all, thank you for your rant yesterday. That was wonderful. Mm. Okay. Now then, I need to ask Bob a question, and I'm going to hang up because there's several people want to hear your response, Bob. Okay. okay. Bob, what can we do immediately to alleviate the problem with our brothers and sisters in Africa right now who are starving? What can we do? Now, okay. Bob, I'm going to hang up now and let you... Okay, thanks, Mike.
2: Bye. The question was immediately, and I think that's mm-hmm. what we have to speak to. Immediately, the only thing you can do to help starving people is to get food into their mouths day to day but if that's the only thing you're going to do and you stop there then you're then you're on then you're on a treadmill and it's not going to stop in fact the next year you'll be given more food because they won't stop being hungry that's right um You know, it's really, and and, and again, it should also be voluntary. This should not be done by taxes because the next thing you know, we'll be asking for foreign aid. So we have to be very careful what we do. You know, it's been a liberal axiom in this country for years. When I first got involved in politics, and it's a tough thing to beat when you hear this statement. You know, Pierre Trudeau said it constantly, John Crechin says it sharing is the great Canadian tradition, right? Well, not only is that not true, if you read history, this is not a country that got to where it was by sharing, it got to where it was by hard work, by people, you know, investing their lives in the land, by, by sharing on a, on a market level, but mm-hmm. not in the sense that, that uh, the liberals mean, because sharing is a voluntary action. When you start doing it with government, you can't call it sharing anymore. And not only is it not true, it's not a desirable thing. This is why someone like Gretchen, to him, his whole legacy is this altruistic legacy. He wants to leave this country in in a total socialist shambles, if you will. And, uh, you know, I personally believe that the liberals have been out to dismantle Canada for a long time. And I'm not saying that as a kook or a right-wing fanatic or anything. You just look at the policies of the country. It has been consciously designed to create conflict within the country. And you can create the most conflict in a country by adopting this sharing philosophy. Because what will happen is the West is... Resentful towards the east, east is resentful towards the west, French, English, it all starts. And then you're back in the same problem the rest of the world. Playing
1: one time. off against the other That's all right. the time. Classic leadership strategy, but not a good one for the no. people who want to be led uh, or would just like to be guided. We're going to pause for a second. Bob Metz with us today on Left, Right, and Center. We'll be back to take more of your calls at 643 1290.
0: This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290, CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens.
1: It's left, right, and the center. Bob Metz with us today. Reverend Susan Eagle, uh, unfortunately, could not make it at the very last minute, but we appreciate her, uh, her attempts to do so. We're talking about foreign aid, Canada's role there, and just, you know, what we should be doing. And Gwyneth joins us next. Hi, Gwyneth.
5: Oh hi Jim. Hi. <laughs> uh it's nice I've been listening to the program and I always enjoy hearing uh, uh Bob Metz. I haven't heard him for a while. Makes a lot of sense and I do agree with uh with what he's saying. Uh one of the things though that bothers me a lot and it had, was in the there had been articles in the post about um about Africa and one country in particular and that's uh well it was Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe Zimbabwe. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the white farmers being oh. driven off their land. Yeah. Terrible. You know, I mean, I just... And, and nothing's been said about this. They they had to slaughter their all their cattle and this
1: dictator, because there are a lot of dictators in that country, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Uh, like, nothing's been said about this. Well, actually, there's quite a lot been said on this program, Gwyneth, because I was steamed um, about it, and we've been talking about it for several months. Um, but you're quite right, nothing's been done about it. The Canadian government has been strangely silent on the whole thing. They've been kicking these people off the land at a time when there's a famine in Zimbabwe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as the, as the cronies of Robert Mugabe take over the farms, which is what's happening, the farm production is dropping off precipitously. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not producing anything anymore, and more people are starving. Although he, right. says, he says it's a national rescue to, to rescue this farmland and give it to the people that own it, who have no interest in working it. You know no, they that?
5: don't really know. It's not the people. They really don't know what to do with it. No. You know, but I just—I I guess I have missed that, Jim. I—I—but I, uh, uh, uh I—they uh, I, did have articles in the post about yeah, that, yeah. and then—but uh, it just seems to be kind of a forgotten country. Well,
1: they, they, you know, it doesn't fit in with the prime minister's picture of Africa. He doesn't want to talk about Zimbabwe because it doesn't pick, fit in with his idea of this legacy for Africa to, you know, rebuild it. Africa for the Africans. So he ignores it because it doesn't, you know. It you does, know it's something. You
5: I, I, I shouldn't wish uh, evil upon uh, anyone. But you know, I sometimes say a prayer and hope maybe. Uh, uh, an alien from another uh, space somewhere would come and just pluck Mr. Krakash and a few of his cronies and take them somewhere for a while and just get rid of them. You know, Maybe, maybe we'd have a chance then.
4: Thanks, Glenn. Okay,
5: <laughs> Appreciate
1: Bye. your call. Yeah, maybe to Africa, says Bob. And we go uh, to Bob. Bob. Hello, Bob. Morning,
4: Jim.
1: Hi. Yes, sir. Uh, and Bob. Good
4: morning. Uh, I'd just like to talk about our own country and the welfare trap and uh, what happens. Uh, I've got a book here at home uh, called You Can't Look a Gift Horse in the Mouth. I don't know if either one of you gentlemen have have read that book. No, I haven't, no. Yeah, it's written by the Ames Institute out of Halifax, and uh, the Ames Institute is made up of ex-politicians from uh, the Maritimes and businessmen as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And they uh, do a case study on uh, all the money that's been dumped in the Maritimes, and when the money comes in from the federal government the standard of living is actually dropped yeah and they are trying to tell the federal government and the rest of the Canadian people please no more money they don't want money what they want is tax cuts
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. matter
4: of fact uh, Frank McKenna the last thing he said as the premier of uh, New Brunswick was no more handouts folks it's not working yeah. we need tax cuts we don't need handouts
1: yeah but handouts look good on the front page
4: and out to buy you votes. Yeah. Like, we, we like to keep yeah. the Maritimes where they are, Jim, mm-hmm. so that when election time comes, they're poor, we can run down there and give them a little bit of money, and guess what? They all vote for us.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly the way it's worked and, for generations.
4: It has worked that way, and until the people in this province of Ontario understand that and vote in a different government, it'll always be that way. Yeah,
1: thanks for the call, Bob. Okay. Mr. Metz, you've got 30 seconds to wrap it up today. It's all well, yours.
4: you know... The overall issue
2: is, you know, I agree with Bob, the last caller, but the issue is, of course, your standard of living is going to drop when taxes go up. That literally takes the money out of your pocket. But we have to understand that the morality of altruism, that it's better to give than to receive, is really a contradiction, because if it's bad to be self-interested and you've got to be in- interested in others, then what you're basically doing is being interested in the self-interest of others. Mm-hmm. It always works out to self-interest. So to place you at the, at the mercy of another person through government is an incredibly destructive thing, whereas you should always be in control of who you choose to help and, and the reasons, and that's the way you create a solid and a moral society, I think.
1: Mr. Metz, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Jim. Bob Metz will certainly be back on ensuing editions of Left, Right, and Center, as will Reverend Susan Eagle, we hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we thank you for staying with us.